Thank you for joining us today and a big thank you to our show sponsor, Amazing Jane Activewear, recommended as best leggings for running by Women's Fitness Magazine. Karen and I have been trialing their designs for a few months and we can happily recommend them. All designs are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane Activewear, please use our listeners special discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at amazingjane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. Restorative sleep is important for a runner to promote energy and reduce risk of injury or illness. Today, join us to discover four foods and their key nutrients to promote great quality sleep. Welcome to the Food Force Spotlight series. For us, food is never just fuel. It provides a wide range of nutrients to support the many aspects of our health and also to promote physiological adaptations for our running performance. These short informative episodes are dedicated to food and meal planning. We'll spotlight key foods to support your running and we'll share tips and suggestions to give you big results in your running performance. The suggestions we make during this episode are for guidance and advice only and are not a substitute for medical advice or treatment. If you have any concerns regarding your health, please contact your healthcare professional for advice as soon as possible. If you'd like help from Karen and Aileen to design a personalised sports nutrition plan for your running, please contact them at Runners Health Hub. Welcome, I'm Aileen and I'm here with Karen again. Uh, hi Karen, how are you today? Yes, I'm fine, thanks Aileen. I've just been out for a really long run. Uh, oh, I went, I ended up, yeah, I ended up doing 11 and a half miles. I didn't go out with the intention of doing that, but it ended up being 11 and a half miles. So, uh, so I'm feeling really good actually that I've oh, achieved that. That's excellent. Um, like, yeah, yeah we're, we're recording this episode in November. So it's actually been a lovely crisp November day here. So I hope you had nice weather too. Yes, actually, Aileen, it was it was quite mild. Considering it is November, it was actually quite mild and the sun was shining. So it was really lovely. Yeah, so it's um it's interesting this time of year because the weather's getting a little bit colder and there's a little bit less daylight. Um, mm. I think everybody's uh, food plan starts to change and we start to eat slightly different things. So do you have a, a sort of favourite comforting food or recipe that you enjoy, Karen? Um... Do you know, Aileen, I'm not actually sure that I do um, have a have a particular recipe that I that I go to during the winter. But what I do really enjoy is um, that the winter the root vegetables. There are some really delicious because I love um, parsnips. So and I do use those a lot um, during the winter. But I think all the root vegetables are really kind of comfort foods. Mm. Um, I I find them just really hearty really filling and they're also a great energy source as well because they're such good sources of carbohydrate that they are good for for a runner and what I tend to do is just put them all together in a roasting tray and roast them in the oven and I tend to use parsnips, beetroot, carrots, potato. I tend to use the sweet potato because I think it gives it a really delicious sweet and almost syrupy flavour to the vegetables so um 
and then to try and kind of keep that plate balanced towards the end of the cooking or maybe sometimes add um, eggs just to bake on top of the vegetables or maybe scramble the eggs through the vegetables. Oh, that's and I find, yeah, and I, that's really tasty. Mm. Or I might just add some tofu or tempeh or something like that just to just to, to keep the to, well, to get that protein content in there. Lovely. How about you, Aileen? Well, I don't know whether it's comfort food, but it's certainly um, my go-to in the winter is soups. I mean, I, I love mm. soups and I'll, I'll have them at any time of the year, uh, but especially I think in the winter, and mainly because they're really easy to make and it's a great way to get lots of vegetables, uh, you know, eat lots of different vegetables. Um, and all the ones that you mentioned, all the tasty root vegetables are, are favourites. Um, and also the brassica vegetables, you know, things like cabbages and cauliflower and kale and sprout, Brussels sprouts. Had my first Brussels sprouts actually last week. Um, oh. and I really, I know that they're, you know, you either love them or you hate them, uh, but there's lots of nice things that you can do with Brussels sprouts. So yeah, it's, it's good to have that. And, and when I, you know, when I do my soup, a bit like you, I add things to it. So I tend to have a vegetable base and then I'll add my protein. So it could be chicken, beans, lentils, maybe even tofu. Um, and then I'll add in some leafy greens at the end. So I'm, I'm getting everything that I need on my plate, but in a bowl. Um, mm. so, uh, yeah, I love, I love that. And that's, um, this week, actually, I've been doing a few recipes in our Facebook group. Uh, mainly just because just because my freezer was empty and I thought I need to stock up and it really yeah. inspired me. I thought, well, I'll, while I'm making them, I'll actually, you know, post the recipes as well. Yeah, they look really delicious. I have to say, Eileen, I think oh, I'm going to be getting into the kitchen to make some of them. Yeah, yeah. Mm, so if anybody's interested in getting me. some soup recipes, uh, they're all in the group. So join us at mm. Easy, Easy Nutrition for Healthy Runners Hub. Just search for us on Facebook and uh We'll, we'll let you join the group. So that would be mm. nice. Um, so today's topic, Karen. Uh, so mm. today's another food for spotlight, um, episode. And the spotlight today is uh, food for sleep. So from a health and nutritional point of view as a runner, um, the aim really is that our sleep is restorative. Um, but in order for sleep to be restorative, uh, we have to have enough sleep so it has to be adequate so ideally between seven and nine hours a night should be in place and also it should be consistently in place so it's no good just doing it at the weekends it has to be every single night and that's really known to support the immune system and the endocrine system the hormonal system um, and obviously both of those systems are really crucial to overall health but especially to be a healthy runner Yes, exactly, Aileen. And the importance of this for a runner is because restorative sleep could help reduce the risk of the infections and inflammation as well, it's especially um, because sleep, if, if you fall asleep um, early in the night, it's known to reduce the actions of cortisol. And, you know, cortisol is well known for increasing the risk of infection and that chronic low lying systemic inflammation. So like you say, it needs to be consistent. Yeah, so, so what we're going to do as ever on these episodes, we're going to focus on four foods, uh, which are going to support sleep and we'll outline the nutritional properties of each. And then we'll look at some menu ideas. And then finally, we'll share a, a one day menu plan using the four foods uh, towards the end of the episode. So the foods that we've chosen, uh, you might be surprised about because they're not typically 
foods that you would associate with a good night's sleep. Um, if you listen to our previous episode, which was episode 13, Sleep Essentials for Running Performance, uh, part of that episode was discussing uh, macronutrients and also some vitamins and minerals and their influence on sleep quality. So um, if sleep is something that is important to you and you'd like it to be top quality, go back and listen to that episode. Um, but just uh, to give you an overview now, the, the foods that we're going to be discussing today are turkey, uh, tart cherries, samphire, um, and liver. So yeah, they're, they're all, um, you know, not the obvious choices to think about <laughs> with, with sleep. So let's get started um, mm. and look at the nutritional properties of each of these foods. Um, so as, as I mentioned at the beginning, we're recording uh, this episode in November. So Christmas is just around the corner, which means the consumption of turkey is going to be rising over the next few weeks, um, you know, through November and December. So with this in mind, Karen, um, let's start with turkey and um, especially thinking of the runner. Um, what kind of nutritional properties would you explain to everybody? Well, turkey, um, the reason we've chosen turkey is because it has a really good um, tryptophan content in it. Now, tryptophan is um, known to support good sleep. And, and lots of people may have heard of tryptophan or may have heard of it or maybe they haven't. But it, but it is one of the essential amino acids of protein. So and what we mean by it being an essential amino acid is that we need to get it from our foods because our bodies cannot produce it. And, and tryptophan is essential for the production of serotonin. Now, again, some people will, will have heard of that as, as, and, and it's generally known as our, our feel good uh, neurotransmitter or feel good hormone, um, that is found in the brain. So, so tryptophan, um, is needed for the production of serotonin. Now, serotonin is then further metabolized, um, or broken down to produce melatonin. And melatonin is the key neurotransmitter known to induce sleep. So that's why tryptophan from Turkey is really helpful for sleep. Yeah. And just as a bit of a point of interest, um, thinking about melatonin, Karen, it, melatonin's got a circadian rhythm, as most hormones do. So the circadian rhythm is all about the uh, 24-hour clock and, and when when the hormone is high and when it's low. So with melatonin, it, it's released as darkness falls and then it stops as the sun rises. And that's when cortisol uh, then begins to be released. So cortisol is our get-up-and-go hormone and um, melatonin is more the, the sleep hormone. Um, so that what that really is telling us that if we can get to bed sort of around 10, 10.30 at night when the melatonin levels are increasing, then sleep may be induced naturally. Uh, and then ideally we'd get, you know, the seven to eight hours sleep and then be woken and get going by cortisol as that releases, um, you know, in, in the sort of um, late hours of the morning, you know, sort of that six, seven o'clock time. Um, so that's really a, a sort of an ideal scenario. Um, but it's, it's just one to think about. 
Yes, it is. I would agree with that, Aileen. It is an ideal scenario, but one that could be achievable, I think, for most people. It, It would mean really sort of maybe readjusting some daily tasks to sort of accommodate bedtime so that they're getting to bed at that time between 10 and 10.30, like you're saying. Um, and so maybe tasks that are that are sort of generally completed in the evening, maybe readjusting that so that um, that time is is free between sort of at that 10 o'clock time where you can start thinking about calming down and going to bed. And also, if people are used to staying awake much later than 10 to 10.30, then the body will need a bit of time to readjust to, readjust to this new um, rhythm, but, but adjusting back into that natural rhythm. So it might take a little bit of time. Um, interestingly, that the, there's this term that's been coined called chrononutrition. And that's being used to describe the interaction between food and the circadian rhythm, so that sleep-wake cycle. And it's been suggested that the internal clock can be altered by changing the the timing and the nature of, of our food intake to support it. Now, um, we're not going to go into into that here, really, but it may be a maybe an interesting discussion to have in a, in a future episode. Um, you know, because it is a new concept, but I like the idea of this chrono nutrition and and sort of changing the foods that you have and the timing of it to support sleep. What what do you think, Aileen? Yeah, I think it's a really fascinating subject, and uh, there's there's lots of uh, writing about it, and there's even been some documentaries about. Um, you know, certainly the circadian rhythm and how we can affect it. Um, mm. So I, I would love to uh, delve a little bit deeper into that. So uh, yeah, we'll make a note of that and put that on mm. the content list for the future. Um, yeah. So I, I just wanted to also add something, Karen, that carbohydrate consumption has been known to increase plasma tryptophan concentrations by um, impacting on the plasma ratio of tryptophan to something that's known as LNAA, which is large neutral amino acids. So perhaps by eating carbohydrates, that may complement the sleep-enhancing effect of the tryptophan-rich protein foods like turkey. Yes. Yeah, that's quite a complex um, scenario, that, Aileen. So let me try and explain that a little bit, um, sort of regarding that tryptophan and um, large neutral amino acid acid ratio before you carry on so um so many of the amino acids that make up a protein um are classed as this um lnaas and tryptin being one of them but others include leucine isoleucine and valine which are otherwise known as the branch chain amino acids which a lot of people will already know but, but there are others as well within that, that the amino acid family. Well, tryptophan is transported across that blood brain barrier by a system that shares transporters with these other LNAAs, including those branch chain amino acids that I've just mentioned. So the ratio of tryptophan to the other, um, large neutral amino acids in the blood is vital to the transport of tryptophan 
in the brain. So, so as we said, one way to help the transfer of tryptophan across the blood-brain barrier is to eat foods high in tryptophan besides the other ones so that it's so basically it's more dominant so it's going to pick up on the on more of the transporters so get into the blood before the others it's a race to the blood brain barrier basically and if you've got more tryptophan in the system then that it's going to it's going to win and and so and turkey is one of those um so and having that alongside a high carbohydrate intake can support that um that transfer across the blood brain barrier. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, no, I like that. Ends- I like that description and uh, I can you know feeling that you know understanding that tryptophan has to be the dominant um, amino acid yeah. is um, is really important. Um, so that, yeah, that's a really great explanation, Karen. Um, so, so as we know, consuming the carbohydrate, um, results in the, when we, when we eat carbohydrate, um, we get a release of insulin and insulin is something that influences the transport of the tryptophan across the blood brain barrier i mean it sounds all quite technical this but you can just imagine all these little um, amino acids trying to get through through into the brain um but um you know basically that's what's happening and, and carbohydrates can help that process um and it particularly is helpful um you know, to eat that carbohydrate-rich meal alongside the the tryptophan, and that will help the insulin to do its job. And um, as insulin is an anabolic agent, it also facilitates the uptake of um, these other amino acids, these um, LNAAs, as we were calling them. Um, so the branched-chain amino acids. So that's um, another important role it has. Um, and another interesting, so when we think about carbohydrates, um, it's really important to sort of differentiate here the difference between the high glycemic carbohydrate foods and the low glycemic carbohydrate foods, because it's thought that the high GI foods are the foods that um, help increase the ratio of circulating tryptophan to LNAA more than the low GI foods. Um, and that's a direct action of insulin promoting the muscle uptake of the LNAAs. So it's, um, usually we would be sort of encouraging you to choose low GL foods, um, because we're always trying to encourage you to balance your blood sugar. Um, but if you're somebody with a, with poor sleep and it's something that you're trying to, um, influence, you know, trying to improve the quality of sleep, in that instance, we'd suggest eating the tryptophan foods such as turkey and combining it with a high GL carbohydrate. So such as, um, you know, I'm thinking things like white rice, white bread, white potatoes. So you might not do that for all of your meals, but just for the foods that you're eating that are high in tryptophan. And that's going to help you um, get a, this higher ratio of tryptophan um, through the blood brain barrier. Okay, so that's a lot about um, tryptophan and uh, mm, mm, and, and turkey, a, <laughs> indeed, yeah. humble turkey. Um, so, so the next food is um, tart cherries. So um, we've, well, I think we've talked about these. I think we talked about these in the other sleep episode, uh, Karen, and mm, uh, briefly, and the ones that are um, the sort of the most well known cherries nutritionally, I would say, would, would be the 
Montmorency cherries. So um, they're very tart and they've been found to contain melatonin, uh, which, as we've just discussed, is the principal hormone that induces sleep. Um, but also it's important to know that melatonin is a very powerful antioxidant too. So if you remember earlier, we, we talked about this conversion pathway where you eat tryptophan foods, um, it's converted into serotonin and then into melatonin. So if you're actually eating the tart cherries as a natural food source of melatonin, that means that you're getting that melatonin without having to go through those conversion steps um, which, you know, could be quite helpful for some people. Um, so it's thought that these cherries can support enhanced sleep, um, improve uh, sleep duration and also the quality of sleep. Um, and it can also help reduce daytime napping because you're getting better quality of sleep at nighttime. Um, there was actually a study in 2012 that suggested if you take two daily servings of concentrated cherry juice, a serving of 30 milliliters, which isn't too much, over seven days, it increased the overall circulating melatonin levels and that led to improved sleep time and quality. And I think cherry juice is a really easy way to add melatonin into your food plan. You know, you can buy it as a a nutritional supplement almost. Um, I've got clients that will take it in that um, concentrated form. And I've also got clients that will dilute it and, and have it as a drink during the day. So they're gradually topping up um, throughout the day. So it is quite a, an easy thing to use. Yeah, absolutely. Alien and it's really good for um, melatonin. But interestingly, it's also been um, proposed that that um, its range of anti-inflammatory and antioxidant properties um, within these tart cherries could be linked to en- enhanced sleep as well. Um, but also the, there's been quite a bit of research into the antioxidants and anti-inflammatory components being really good for post-exercise recovery, including a reduction in the, the DOMS that we speak about in, in other episodes, that delayed onset um, muscle soreness. So, so I suppose what this is saying is that it's it's difficult to know how much of the sleep-inducing effects and post-exercise recovery effects of tart cherries is due to their melatonin content alone, or maybe it's the com- combination of all of the compounds that makes tart cherries such a great food of choice um, to s- consider for enhancing sleep, but as well as um, as helping with recovery from training. Mm. It's quite a, a great little little fruit really yeah and I think what you know we always say with food you never just get one thing from food don't you you, you get you know a combination and, and and natural foods you know work very well synergetically together don't they um, and I, yeah. I think it's always fascinating how research leads to more questions and answers but you know yeah. it, it, that seems to make a lot of sense Karen and um, and what the research is telling us is that melatonin is key to good sleep and that is well documented Um, And just another uh, small point on melatonin before we move on. Melatonin is also thought to increase the protective effects of glutathione, uh, which is one of the body's most important and potent antioxidants, um, and also um, vitamin C2. So it's really um, influencing their regeneration. So again, you know, there's lots of benefits um, to um, making sure the melatonin levels are 
where they should be. Um, and just another sort of thought that's in my mind, Karen, it, I know that you know people always ask, can they supplement with melatonin? And in the UK, we can't. It's, it's not an authorized supplement. You, you do find it in the States. Um, so uh, it's, it's yeah, from a, from a UK point of view, uh, we're, we're looking for natural ways to um, promote mm-hmm. melatonin. So um, just a, a, just an aside there. So, yeah. so our next food, Karen, is is a samphire, uh, and it mm-hmm. also has nutritional properties to support s- sleep. Um, so, you may or may not have heard of samphire, but it's a sea vegetable, and it, it's sometimes known as sea asparagus, which is quite a nice thing to think about. Um, so, Karen, what do you know about this fairly uncommon sea vegetable? Yes, well, samphire tends to grow in um, rocky and marshy areas um, near sort of salt water sources. So as well as um, sort of being high in um, um, oh salt, salt, yes. So <laughs> so it's it's high in in sodium. Um, we grow it in the UK. Um, and it's actually been around for more than five hundred years. Although we, you know, we've just we're saying that it's it's kind of quite new to our to to the world of supermarkets. But it's actually been around for such a long time. Um, and as well as being known as sea asparagus, um, some people may have heard it referred to as sea pickle. Um, and that may be because of its, um, if it's high sodium content, because we, so, sodium is used as, or salt is used as, as a pickle quite often. Mm. So I don't know. That might, but it might be a reason. So, so thinking about its nutritional um, property to support sleep, it's the magnesium content of samphire that we're looking at today. Now, we have spoken about tryptophan. Um, and its importance in the synthesis of serotonin, which is an important neurotransmitter in its own right, but also the precursor to the production of melatonin, as we've spoken about. Well, magnesium is required, along with several other sort of cofactors, in the conversion of the amino acid tryptophan to serotonin. So basically, magnesium has an indirect importance in the synthesis of melatonin and therefore that sleep wake cycle which is also known as the as the circadian rhythm so so it's really interesting that it's more of an indirect approach rather than a direct influence in melatonin now this is just one of the ways in which magnesium may be indirectly linked to sleep another is its association with um anxiety so in the brain, glutamate um, is the primary uh, excitatory neurotransmitter or brain uh, or, or sort of hormone in the brain. And it has been linked to the likes of anxiety disorders, panic disorders. Now, magnesium has been found to reduce that hyperexcitability of glutamate whilst also increasing the availability of GABA. Now, GABA, uh, 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 probably lots of people have heard of GABA. Um, Now, it is the primary inhibitory transmitter within the um, central nervous system that counterbalances that excitatory action of glutamate. 
And it's, and it's an imbalance between this GABA and glutamate that is associated with the characteristics of anxiety. Now, why I'm mentioning this is because alongside um, anxiety and um, poor sleep is quite often observed. So potentially by increasing the magnesium intake, it's going to support that reduction in anxiety that's then going to encourage, encourage improved sleep quality and sleep duration. So that's sort of another indirect yeah. action of magnesium. Yeah. So and another and another indirect action uh, of magnesium with sleep is the presence of chronic stress um, and stress is associated with the anxiety. So you can see it's all interlinked, you know, it's sort of like mm-hmm. a, a cycle, isn't it? And, and it's all crosses over with each other. Um, and I, I know of a study where um, it looked at stress associated with exam conditions and found that um, it increased um, urinary magnesium excretion and that resulted in a, a reduction of magnesium levels. Um, and also counter uh, to this, an increase in magnesium intake has been found to modulate the stress response uh, by acting on the HPA axis, which is the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis. So that's um, linked to our central stress response system. Um, and that can also lead to a, a reduction in um circulating cortisol levels so you can see that it's really important that magnesium is is at optimal levels um, to manage um, help us manage stress Um, and it's often a mineral that's really neglected so you know thinking about samphire it might not be the first magnesium rich vegetable that we think of Um, so you might want to think about other green leafy vegetables as an alternative source of magnesium Um, but i think it's just really um interesting to you know think about all the different sources of magnesium and make sure that um, everybody is taking as much as they can into their food plan because magnesium gets used up very quickly and um, you know as we know as runners um, just by running and have been an endurance runner that can induce chronic stress so it's something that we've got to bear in mind all the time um, never mind all the other stresses we've got in our life so, so Karen, let's move on to our final food, which is liver. Um, so, um, why, do, why did you choose to talk about liver today? Well, the reason I chose liver is because of its vitamin B12 content um, that's been um, linked to supporting B12 has been linked to supporting sleep and insomnia and um and liver is has a really high content of B12. So that is the reason um, that, that I've chosen it. Although the direct relationship between insomnia and vitamin B12 12 levels has yet to be established. But B12 deficiency is known to be involved in the development of depression, uh, which is commonly associated with insomnia or poor sleep quality and duration, um, suggesting an ind- a bit like magnesium, it's more of an indirect link with um, vitamin B12. Yeah, and you know, as you said, you chose liver to talk about because it's got a high, the highest levels of B12 of all the food sources that that we have. Um, but within the the sort of spectrum of different types of animal liver, lamb's liver appears to be the richest source. 
then ox liver, followed by calf liver. So I know it's not a great conversation for vegan and vegetarian listeners. And I take my hat off to you, Karen, for choosing to talk about this because I know it's not food that comes easy to you. <laughs> no, it's not. But it is It is sort of looking at it from a health point of mm. view rather than an ethical point of view today. Yeah. And, um, you know, and it is um, a, a, a great source um, and, and of B12. And it is, it, it's, only find naturally in foods from animal sources. So sources for vegans are limited. Um, and, and I would say that probably a vitamin B12 supplement would be needed. Not quite as bad for vegetarians because it can be found in dairy products and eggs. But for vegans, it's important, I think, to, to consider, um, a, a supplement there. Um, some foods are fortified with B12 as well. So that's something else to think about and bear in mind. But what I would just add there is to be mindful of the quality of the foods that are chosen if you're, if you're going for the fortified foods, because, um, they're not always, th- th- there are some other, um, ingredients in there sometimes that aren't always the healthiest. Mm. So just be mindful of that when choosing foods. Okay. And just, uh, just another little reminder. I'm thinking about people that might be concerned that they have B12 deficiency or maybe just interested to know what their status is. I would say it's always a really good idea to get tested before you start adding supplements. Um, so go to the GP or get a private test and assess what your requirements are before you start supplementing. Okay. So let's, uh, let's just have a quick recap because it's been We've gone through a lot of information there. Um, so mm. thinking about turkey, the principal nutritional property is tryptophan, which is an essential amino acid, which is important in the metabolic pathway of melatonin production. So that's that tryptophan being metabolized into serotonin and then finally as melatonin and melatonin being an important component of the sleep-wake cycle, otherwise known as the circadian rhythm. Um Next up is the tart cherry and the nutritional property of that is melatonin. And that's a key neurotransmitter required for the sleep-wake cycle, as we've just mentioned. Um, next up is samphire and the key nutritional property of samphire is magnesium uh, with relationship to, to sleep. Um, and the, it's a mineral, magnesium is a mineral required for that metabolic cascade of tryptophan to be made into serotonin and further into melatonin. And, and as Karen described, you know, you need magnesium as a cofactor to make that uh, metabolic path happen. And then finally, looking at the nutritional properties of liver, um, in this instance, we're, we're looking at B12 and B12 is a water-soluble uh, vitamin. And when B12 is deficient, there, there are some um, links uh, or associations which would indicate that uh, B12 deficiency is linked to insomnia or poor sleep quality and duration. And that suggests that there's an indirect, indirect link of uh, vitamin B12 playing a role in sleep quality. So, yeah, it's been interesting talking about these uh, foods that you wouldn't normally associate with, with promoting sleep. Um, but it's, it's a good one to discuss, isn't it, Karen? It is. I think it is. And also it, it helps um, people think outside of the box because we kind of get in routines with foods that we eat. And this maybe will help people to think about diverse foods, different foods, foods they've never really heard of before. So it's all really interesting and, and learning about 
the the nutritional support that they can give and mm. um, so it's it's all good but let's move on and think about some recipes and menu ideas using these foods we've just discussed um thinking about turkey first uh, we said at the beginning that we were recording this in November, so shortly the supermarket shelves should be filling up with turkeys in preparation for Christmas. Um, although you can now clearly um, purchase turkey all year round. And um, I think turkey mince is now generally widely available throughout the year. And, and really you could think about that possibly as an alternative option when making things like cottage pie or even a lasagna. Um, also when thinking about burgers, thinking about turkey mince instead of um, cattle mince for that. And that could be served with brown rice and maybe a, a mixed salad to sort of keep that um, plate balance again. Um, and I did also see the other day a recipe for an Indian-inspired turkey salad, which I th thought sounded um, really nice. And all you need to do is mix some shredded cooked turkey meat, maybe left over from a whole roast turkey that's been used, and mix that with some coconut yogurt and curry powder, then just add some finely chopped celery and carrots and raisins, or maybe you could use the tart cherries instead, um, and a little mango chutney and just toss it all together. And voila, you've got a tasty lunch that's um, very easy to prepare. Mm. So, yeah. So how about you, Aileen? Have you got any sort of interesting ideas for turkey? Um, well, I, I think, like you say, we probably don't make the most of it. You know, it is available all year round and it's lean. And obviously we, we know now it's got powerful properties with the tryptophan. Um, mm. You know, and I, th I think that, um, you know, there's lots of great ideas. I've just actually been buying. Um, I always treat myself to some Christmas food magazines uh, just to get some inspiration over the next few weeks. And there's quite a lot of turkey recipes there. Um, so um, one of the one of the ones that I noticed was a festive salad using up the um, turkey pieces. So diced cooked turkey on a on top of a bed of green leaves, maybe uh, rocket or spinach or even watercress. Um, and then you added some chunks of cooked sweet potato. Um, you could add some cranberries or the tart cherries that we've mentioned and maybe sprinkle with some walnut pieces. And then that they were suggesting a dressing of apple cider vinegar um, or sherry vinegar or even just lemon juice. So, um, you know, there's lots of different ways that you can um, have leftovers made into um you know, all sorts of different things. So, uh, you know, when mm. I get through my pile of magazines, I might share some recipes again in the group. Okay. So now I'm thinking about some ideas for the tart cherry. Um, so the things that are top of mind for me would be to maybe make some homemade granola and add some cherries to that to give it some tanginess. Um, maybe even having just a few dried uh, tart cherries alongside some mixed seeds. Um, maybe sprinkle it on top of yogurt or have it as a sort of a trail mix type of snack. Um, even having something like that as a bedtime snack um, might help if you if you're trying to promote sleep. Um, you could add it to smoothies. My favorite uh, smoothie that I do eat or drink a lot is um, a cherry smoothie with um, cacao powder and maybe some protein powder in it as well. So cacao powder has actually got a really good source of magnesium as well. Um, 
So I tend to have it at breakfast, but I'm a good sleeper. But actually, now I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking it could be something again that you could have as a sort of a, an evening snack to help promote sleep in the evening. Um, other things that I would maybe use cherries for is to make a cherry sauce to go with poultry. So either with, I'm thinking here, maybe like a duck breast or something like that. Um, and that would, I think that you could make that quite easily, just um, some cherries and a little water or some, maybe some red wine, a little bit of honey. And then if it needs thickening, you can maybe add a little bit of corn flour to make a sauce. So yeah, you can definitely add cherries with savory foods. Um, and do you, do you use them in any other way, Karen? Mm, that's, they all, that all sounds really nice, actually, Aileen. Um, yeah, I do. You mentioned adding them to um, granola, Aileen. Um, you could also add them to a trail. Actually, you might have mentioned a trail mix as well, actually. I think that's the, the, the way I tend to use them is um, making up a trail mix with some mixed seeds, chopped nuts, some cacao nibs in there and shredded coconut. And then the, the tart cherries um, is a really nice mix just to have as a, as a snack. Also, um, adding them to flapjacks. I quite often do that instead of adding raisins um, and um, just mix it in for added flavour, but also added texture as well. Um, so there's actually quite a lot that that you can do. Um, and of course, you can buy the Cherry Active Sports Gels to use in training um, for energy. Uh, and, and people do use them quite often. But they're also really good for supporting recovery and and helping reduce the risk of injury and illness. And that's due to the anti-inflammatory and antioxidant properties that we spoke about earlier. So, so tart cherries in different forms has got quite a lot of um, different uh, supportive nutrient value in it, as most food, foods do, natural foods do. So that's just some ideas for tart cherries. Now moving on and thinking about samphire. Um, and I think its uses are possibly a bit more limited. Um, clearly, samphire would, I think, would be a great uh, accompaniment, in fact, an ideal accompaniment really to any fish dish uh, because it is so, um, it has got a real taste of the sea. Um, and also could be cooked and added to maybe a fish or a seafood salad for a nice lunch. Um, but otherwise, I'm not really sure how it could be used daily. Maybe you've got some other great ideas that you could share with us for Samphire. Um, well, I, I do love Samphire and it's, it's interesting because I, I used to just think of it as being a restaurant vegetable until recent, you know, the last few years. You used to see it as a, a garnish really on a, on a restaurant meal. Um, but now, as you said, you can buy it in the supermarket. So it is readily available. And, and I would tend to have it with fish. Uh, you could maybe add some hollandaise sauce to it. Um, and I did see recently a recipe, uh, for sea vegetables with, um, duck eggs on sourdough, but I suppose you could use any eggs. And it sounded really tasty, even though I haven't tried it yet, but basically, what you would do is you would blanch the samphire for about 30 minutes. It doesn't need a lot of cooking. It just needs a quick flash into some boiling water um, and keep that lovely. So 30 yeah, seconds. Yeah. Sorry. Right. What, what did I say? 30 seconds. minutes. 
Oh, God, that would boil it to death, wouldn't it? No, I meant, I meant 30 seconds. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, um, and then you could poach your eggs, do some sautéed mushrooms, um, and then you would um, add the, um, the blanche samphire to the, uh, the pan with the mushrooms. You might need some garlic in it. And then put the samphire mix on top of the sourdough toast with the mushrooms and then put the eggs on top. So that would be a lovely breakfast or lunch dish, I think. Um, mm. So then thinking about liver, because um, we need to move on. Um, so I, mm. I do eat liver uh, fairly often and um, usually have it sautéed with onions. And it's a really fast to cook meal. So it, it is, you know, if you're short of time, you can have a really nutritious meal very quickly. Um, so I, I tend to be a bit traditional with mine. So it's usually just sautéed with onions and, and maybe some vegetables. Uh, but I did see a recipe recently for a sautéed liver and apple salad, which I, sound, which I thought sounded quite nice. So they use chicken livers, but I guess you could use any kind of liver. Um, basically, all you did was sauté the liver with some cubes of apple um, and then you chopped some walnuts uh, to sprinkle on the top and you served it on a bed of watercress, which was dressed with balsamic vinegar, honey and olive oil. So that sounded really nice, light uh, lunch type salad. Um, other ideas would be liver pate. You know, you see a lot of different types of liver pate uh, and it's quite, and again, it's quite an easy thing to make. Um, and another idea, now this is something that I, I got from I think it was a seminar that I went to and uh, they were talking about how people could, uh, people who didn't like eating liver, how they could add it um, to their food to get the nutrients. And basically the suggestion was you would cook the liver and you would puree it and freeze it in ice cube trays. And then you could add the cubes to gravies and casseroles. So you would get the all the nutrients from the liver without the strong taste because it is it's an acquired taste and not everybody likes it so mm. I thought that was quite a good idea um mm. if, uh, like you know that. for people that are, are just wanting a, a sort of punch of nutrients um and then just finally just to say you know I think liver goes great with onions with mushrooms with spinach with potatoes um you know it doesn't have to be it's best cooked simply I think you don't have to do too much to it because it's if it's fresh, um, you know, it'll be good for you. So, um, Karen, I know you don't eat liver uh, for obvious reasons because you're a vegetarian, but do you, do you ever cook liver for the family? Um. <laughs> I'm afraid. <laughs> In a war daily, no, I'm afraid not. Um, I know liver is really good for you in moderation, um, especially for its iron cont content as well as its vitamin B12, um, as we're discussing today about it. But I'm afraid, um, no, I don't let it in the house. It's just a bit a step too far. Um, and, and I tend to concentrate on my B12 from either eggs or, or supplements, some other form. So, so I'm glad you've given everybody lots of ideas, recipe ideas for liver, because I don't have yeah, any. Yeah, liver is actually, it's a Venetian dish. And uh, I, I was on holiday in Venice um, a few Christmases ago, and uh, it was, it's, it's a dish that's on all the menus there. So it's, uh, it's got some interesting provenance. So just just to yeah. so that we're not all anti liver. <laughs> yes, absolutely. It's just 
Just, yeah, vegetarians and vegans amongst them. Okay, so um, now let's have a look at our one-day menu plan. So, Karen, can you start us off with a breakfast idea? Yeah, so for breakfast, um, I would suggest maybe a homemade nut and seed granola and adding some tart cherries to that and then serving that maybe with some coconut yoghurt. So that would maybe be an idea for breakfast. Aileen, what would you suggest? Uh, well, I think I'd like to probably try that samphire with the mushrooms um, on the sourdough toast with the, the duck eggs or hen eggs. I think that, that mm. sounds really lovely. And um, what would you suggest for an evening meal, Karen? Yeah, so for the evening meal, um, not for me, but for others, maybe could be the sautéed sliced liver with mushrooms. And then this could be served with um, brown rice um, or quinoa and a side salad just to keep um, the plate balance. Uh, so that would that would be my option there. And then finally, Aileen, what about snack ideas? What would you propose? Uh, well, I think you, you gave us some really nice ideas for, ideas for trail mix. So the Montmorency cherry trail mix. Um, a very simple snack, um, particularly, you know, after a strength, a strength training session would be to have a turkey sandwich. So maybe some cooked turkey slices with some cherry chutney on wholemeal bread would be good. Um, you mentioned the yogurt and the uh, tart cherries. So maybe making the tart cherries into a compote with some yogurt and seeds would be nice. And then finally, the black cherry and cacao smoothie, I think is really simple and, easy to have at any time of the day mm, well, so lovely. so uh, that's that brings us to the end of today's episode so i hope you've enjoyed the meal plan that we've created for you uh, we do actually put it on a little um graphic on uh, on the blog so if anybody would like to have a look at that please do um and if you want any of the recipes you know where we are so we we'd love to hear from you um and let us know if you've enjoyed cooking any of these uh menu ideas or, or snacks and and also let, get in touch and let us know if you've got any other um food for ideas so if there's something that you would like to know um you know please let us know and we'll uh, share it on a future episode um, so, Karen, just before we go, can I just ask you to quickly run through the four foods we've discussed and talk about the key nutrients of each and particularly how they can support our running? Yes, absolutely, Alien, And clearly all the foods that we've discussed are potentially going to support adequate sleep for a runner. And just as a reminder that that restorative sleep is vital for a runner um, because it may help reduce the risk of infection and inflammation like we um, mentioned earlier and that can help and also help protect against injuries and infections such as urinary tract infections and the upper respiratory tract infections which can be quite common in dis in runners especially distance runners but let's have a look at these foods and and how they nutritionally support our running um thinking about for supporting sleep, but also in general. So the principal nutrient in Turkey that we've spoken about today is tryptophan, which um, is known to support melatonin synthesis. It's also really high in protein, which is a key macronutrient that's important for muscle building as well as muscle repair and recovery um, for, for running. Um, tart cherries are an excellent source of melatonin, which is important for that sleep-wake cycle. They're also a really rich source of antioxidant and anti-inflammatory compounds, which are important for 
immune protection for a runner. And then sort of thinking about samphire, um, as we've discussed, it's an excellent source of magnesium, which is an important cofactor in the synthesis of serotonin, which is that precursor to melatonin production. Now, it's also a really rich source of iodine, which is key to thyroid function, therefore is linked to metabolism and metabolic rate, which is important for body composition um, as a runner. And then finally, uh, we looked at liver um, and it has the highest content of B12 of all the types, different types of meat. And it's known to help alleviate uh, insomnia. And liver is also a, a really well-known source of iron, which is a key nutrient in the production of energy, which, as we know, is is uh, is sort of really influential um, for a runner. And really, that's it, Ailey. That's the right. Well, there was lots of information there, so it's a bit of a long one, everybody. But hope you've mm. enjoyed it, uh, and we really hope you're feeling inspired to try some of the food ideas. And remember, don't let nutrition be the limiting factor in your running performance. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode and feel inspired to try out some new menu ideas. Many of our clients are looking for new ways to help them introduce a healthy food plan which also supports their running performance. So we designed our Easy Nutrition for Healthy Runners program and it's for runners of all abilities. We take you through a series of short videos and action steps to help you create a food plan to suit your running training. The program includes downloadable menu ideas, food lists, meal plans, and athlete plate diagrams for different training levels. And you get the added bonus of being invited to free online trainings and Q&As with Aileen and Karen. So you'll always have the opportunity to get some personal input into your runner's nutrition plan. Please check out the program at runnershealthhub.com or if you've got any questions, just drop us an email at hello at runnershealthhub.com. We'd love to see you join us on the program. We'd like to introduce you to our show sponsor, Amazing Jane Activewear for Women's Changing Bodies, recommended as best leggings for running by Women's Fitness Magazine. We think they have everything a female runner needs. First of all, they are high compression to support your legs and bum. They have a deep waistband so they stay up and they don't move about when you run. There's a handy left pocket for your phone and a zip pocket on the waistband which is great for your cards or a key. They also have a hidden tracker pocket for storing a GPS tracking device, and this is a unique safety feature. All Amazing Jane designs, including tanks and tops, are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. Karen and I have been trialing wearing their range for a few months, and we can happily recommend them. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane Activewear, please use our listeners' special discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at amazingjane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. Thanks again to Amazing Jane Activewear for being our show sponsor and for sharing discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases. Mm -hmm.